Well, I forgot to mention, um, along with the announcements, um, is the reminder that next Sunday we will only be having one service. Um, so we will be combining the 8 o'clock service and the 10.15 service, and we'll be here at um, just at 10.15 for a special service um, to talk more about our year of discernment that we are heading into. Well, um, stop me if you've heard this one before. Um, how many church members does it take to change a light bulb? Uh, and I wanted to, the answer is not just to Susie and Mike Nelson. Okay, I have three answers. Well, first, you have to call a committee. We have to have a congregational vote to approve that committee and a, a special board team to go and research the best light bulbs. And the second answer, change? We, we don't do change. Oh, no change. And the third answer, and this is my favorite. My grandfather donated that light bulb in 1973. I like that joke. You know, it says something that uh, disagreement in the church, particularly about change, is so rampant that that joke actually has three answers, which is really nifty. If somebody thinks they know the answer, you can just throw another one at them. But of course, uh, disagreement in the church, uh, it's funny to joke about light bulbs, and I think the, the oldest church is uh, disagreement that people sort of talk about as the carpet color. You, know, you don't want to be on the church carpet color committee. But of course, church disagreement is, is about things beyond just nuts and bolts, though. Um, I have heard it said before that if you get five disciples of Christ members in a room, you will have at least six opinions. And even if we're not disagreeable about it, part of the reason we belong to this church and even to this movement is because of that fact, because of the freedom of belief that it offers. Nobody's going to tell you what you have to believe and so we as a church don't expect people to have the same opinions about anything. What's more important is that we believe, what is more important than those individual things that we believe is the radical acceptance and love of Jesus Christ, that thing that brings us together. And so all of this freedom of thought is really great. And yet we are not called to be individuals together. We are not called to loose affiliations with one another, but rather we are called to be the body of Christ, to seek unity. And so all of this raises a really tricky question. How do we be of one mind? With all of the diversity of opinion and belief, how do we be that unified body of Christ? And so this is what we're going to hear from our scripture today. And in the midst of our discernment as of a church, we are going to have to turn to the example of Jesus to figure this out. And so with that in mind, I invite you to listen to our reading from, second, or from Philippians 2. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. 
Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. May God bless this reading. Well, each of Paul's letters um, represent an ongoing conversation with communities scattered across the Mediterranean world. It's part of the reason why I love the Apostle Paul. Well, he is probably my favorite biblical writer because his letters, you know, a lot of people find them less interesting. He doesn't tell stories. There are no parables. There is no narrative. He's just writing to different churches and giving them opinions or advice or direction on conversations that they are having. And so in each one of the letters, there's a different theme to those conversations. In Corinthians, he's writing to the church in the city of Corinth. And what you kind of gather about the city of Corinth is that it is a very diverse community. Uh, and they're very zealous. So much so that they, they are the kind of people who go, well, you're not doing things right. That's not right, and that's not right, and that's not right. And they're fighting about these things. And on the reverse side, they are standing up and saying, well, I'm the holier one. And so Paul's note to this congregation is to say, be nicer to each other. Make sure that you are including everybody in the community in decisions. Do not hold yourself as higher than another. So that's the message of Corinthians. Uh, the book of Romans is written to the only congregation that Paul uh, didn't establish. So Paul writes in this letter, which I think is weird. I just think, what would it be like if I wrote a letter to the members of Federated Church on the west side and said, let me tell you how to do this. But Paul uh, decided that he needed to take time to do this. And so the letter of the Romans is the most complete of Paul's writings. Uh, you really, you could get a complete sense of what Paul thinks of Jesus from the book of Romans because he is writing a kind of beginner's guide to this congregation. And so today we hear from Paul's letter to the Philippians. But this letter has a different flavor than a lot of Paul's letters. Paul tends to offer a lot of correctives. He is a fixer. And that might be generous, frankly. <laughs> Honestly, in a lot of his letter, Paul, letters, Paul gets a little bit naggy. Instructions about the relationship of the Gentiles to the Jewish law, guidelines about not eating meat, sacrifice to idols. In Galatians, he almost completely loses his cool about the subject of circumcision. There's this line in Galatians, and we always glance over it because we think of the Bible as this neat and tidy book uh, that never says anything um, outlandish or offensive. But in Galatians, he says that the people who support circumcision, maybe they should cut a little closer, which is meant to be a joke. And so in Philippians, the language is different. 
This is how the letter begins. I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you because of your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. It is safe to say that the church in Philippi is Paul's favorite. This is the congregation that he has loved more than any other. And so this, this letter, unlike Paul's other letters, doesn't read like an instruction manual. This is not really a letter responding to some challenge or need, but it's a farewell letter. Paul is writing this letter to his favorite congregation to say, thank you for being so good. Thank you for always supporting the gospel in all things. And you get that from this letter. Paul, he thinks at this point that maybe his life is ending. He writes of his own suffering and about this dual desire to remain here on earth, but also to be with Jesus in heaven. And so this letter, this letter to the Philippians, is the kind of letter that you write as a matter of legacy. A thank you letter, a celebration of the ways in which the followers in Philippi have, have lived out the gospel of Jesus. And so with nothing left to say, with nothing left to be taken care of at this church, Paul offers one last piece of guidance. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. That message wouldn't have made a lot of sense in Corinthians where they just fought over everything. But to Philippi, to Philippi it fits. But I have to say that in my life, um, I have been in a lot of churches. Um, as a member, as a youth, an adult, as an intern, as a pastor, um, I've been in functional churches, healthy churches, new churches, old churches, dying churches, dysfunctional churches, and sometimes all of those things in the same congregation just at different times. I have never been in a church where the people were of the same mind. It's not just disciples who have different opinions about things, it's humans. Humans disagree over everything. And yet this is Paul's desire that this church be of one mind. I don't, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> I think he means something different than agreeing on everything. And in fact, this request from Paul moves on to what is known as the Christ hymn. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave and being born in human likeness. You know, if there was anybody who could claim his own rightness, it was Jesus. If there was anyone who could claim that he knew the answers or had the right opinions, it was Jesus. And yet, according to Paul, this is not what Jesus does. Jesus doesn't go around celebrating his own rightness, nor did he spend all of his time chastising people for their wrongness. Rather, Jesus' ministry was about making room for others. His work on the cross is about opening the covenant, making it bigger, about expanding God's work in this world. And in order to do that, Jesus empties himself, making room. He takes on the form of a servant. He doesn't cling to his claim of superiority, 
but rather gives it up. And so I think this is the key to Paul's desire that followers be of the same mind in order to grow together, not just be individuals, but rather to be one community unified, we have to be willing to empty some of ourselves, to make room for others. We have to become servants. And so last week we began talking about discernment in this place, about taking some time as a church to listen to the ways in which God is calling us and to re-engage once again with our purpose here as a church. And I think it is this exact work that we need to be doing to make room within ourselves for others to share and also to be willing to share ourselves trusting that others have made the same room. And so last week I said that this week and next week we will be introducing some some new projects and programs for the coming year and this is one of them. Part of our discernment process will be a return to something that was really enjoyed last year during the New Beginnings process, which is small groups. Starting in September, you will be invited to take part in a series of small groups. These will be monthly meetings. And these aren't meant to be strategy sessions. We're not asking you about your opinion of what the church should be doing or shouldn't be doing, at least not yet. We'll get there. Instead, we are going to take some time to return to the basics, to ask questions that I think we take for granted in our walks with with Christ. We'll be asking questions like, for you, who is God? Have you ever tried to answer that question, by the way? We all know who God is, and yet if you had to like, if you were like in an elevator and somebody said, who is God? Would you do anything besides stumble over your answer? What does it mean to live a Christian life? What does hospitality mean? Who is Jesus and what is he about? How do you experience the Holy Spirit? Why are you a follower of Jesus? These are all questions we take for granted. And so there will be time for strategy sessions down the road. We will ask your opinion of what the church should be doing later. But for right now, we are going to take some time, some time of discernment and get back to the basics of our faith. And in doing so, we are going to have to prepare space in ourselves for others to receive what is shared. To do this work that Christ does, this emptying of Christ's self, this making room for those who are not like us, who don't share the same views of us, to be okay with a little bit of disagreement because when you get into questions about who Jesus is, there will be disagreement. Don't, she's not here now, but if you asked Amanda and I who God was for us, we would have different answers. <laughs> and we're married. After all, when you get five disciples in a room, you get six opinions. And so we're not going to agree on everything. But I think part of our discernment will be doing this, this work of re-engaging with what is at stake for each person in this place. Because we as a church exist for one purpose and that is to foster a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so for this next year, I'm going to invite you all to do just that. 
On the table in the narthex, uh, there are 10 sign-up sheets for 10 small groups happening throughout September. Um, you can sign up for any one of them. If you want to be really uh, daring or faithful or whatever you want to say, don't sign up for a group with everybody you know. It's always boring when you get to a small group and it's all one family and you're like, you all know each other. But each month we're gonna reconstitute these groups, so next month you will have a chance to sign up for a new group or to stay with the same group. And we pray that God's spirit might work through these conversations to these holy periods of discernment together that as we engage with what is most important to us about our walk with Jesus Christ, that we might begin to see clearly the ways in which we are being led as church. And so we pray that God will work through these holy conversations and that we may become of the same mind. Not all the same opinions, not some monolithic faith free of diversity, but many voices and many experiences pointed as one towards the kingdom that God promises. And so we invite you today to go sign up and I threaten first service, if you don't sign up for a small group, you'll get a call from Sandy. I promise. But we pray that you will take part in this process of making room for the, the many different faith experiences that we have in this place. Amen.